Today's episode is brought to you by Primetime Sports Talk, your top source for all major sports content, including DFS, fantasy advice, and great gambling tips. Be sure to head to primetimesportstalk.com to check out their in-depth analysis, exclusive articles, fascinating interviews, and explore the rest of their amazing podcast family. Again, primetimesportstalk.com, your go-to spot for sports content. Hello and welcome to the Dorm Room Dispute Podcast. We are live from Southern California. Boy, what a beautiful day here in LA. It's nice. I'm not used to the weather being sunny and uh, 70 degrees in January. Yeah, I can see the appeal. Uh, that being said, still think Chicago's the greatest city in the world. We're also, you know what, good mood today. We're coming off a great week last week uh free money rolling along uh, if you haven't caught onto the bandwagon yet you really should uh we have been three and zero in four of the past five weeks and the one week we weren't it was well, we were two and one it was the the damn dolphins that that screwed us there but we coming off another great week we got three more great picks uh for the division around coming your way in a little bit but we got a lot to discuss this week let's start with the uh wild card weekend what to make of it there was a lot and i think the biggest storyline of the week and it was actually the easiest pick for us last week for me personally this is the one that i really was all over because it's the one dog we picked but the 49ers over the cowboys and this one you could see coming the cowboys favorites at home uh and it was a game really they should have won like on paper like you probably should win it but you know knowing the cowboys is what they do uh they overperform uh and then they, they collapse in the playoffs and the big play of the game came at the end, and that's what everyone was talking about. They ran the quarterback draw with 14 seconds left, uh, which was baffling. And even Mike McCarver said, oh, we were, pra- we were practicing it all week. We are practicing all week. Uh, you know, it, it worked. I mean, I, it, it was a low percentage play. You, you were asking a 30-year-old man to run 30-plus, like for the 30- or 40-year-old referee, to run 30 yards down the field, and spot a ball for you in time in 40 seconds enough to get like that's ridiculous so like you can blame the refs all you want they they shouldn't have even been in position to win that game like that game really wasn't that close as the score indicated jimmy g let him off the hook with a a terrible throw Uh, i mean that kept him in the game to be completely honest but there's only one man to blame for this whole cowboys loss you know everyone's blaming mike mccarthy obviously but the only person these cowboy fans have to blame and who, who shoulders the majority of the blame for this disaster of a season the result is jerry jones I mean, how many years are you going to watch like Jerry Jones? He's not a football guy. And I think that's obvious. And I think there's a lot of people that watch football and think, yeah, I know, Like, but Jay Cutler was on uh, the Chicago Sports Radio a couple weeks ago. And he said something that was like very true. A lot of people watch football and think they know the game. And it's not true. Like running the business of football and like actually knowing it is different from just watching it. Jerry Jones is not a football guy. He's a businessman. He's a guy that got rich off of oil, thinks he can run a football team, as a massive ego, like that's the reason he fired uh, Jimmy Johnson, who was like best coach they ever had, because he wanted to show, oh, I can without Jimmy. But like, what have they done since the 90s? Like, he stumbled upon, you know, one more Super Bowl after that. But since then, since the 90s, they've been irrelevant. Like, the fact that they're, they, they have the longest drought in the end of, one of the longest droughts in the NFL to not going to a, a championship game is like absurd to me. What do you think of the Cowboys, like a blue blood franchise, America's team? But Jerry Jones is the blame. He's the one that hired Mike McCarthy. Like, Mike McCarthy blatantly lied to us. Oh, yes, I was watching all these games. I know all these analytics. Like, all you had to do was look at them with the Packers. He was terrible. He was terrible. 
They were winning because of Aaron Rodgers over there. And actually, if you look, Aaron Rodgers, before Mike McCarthy got there and after Mike McCarthy left, look at his numbers. He has been so much better since Mike McCarthy left. He's probably going to win the MVP this year. Like, he looks more relaxed than ever. Uh, the game looks easier to him. And that was all after Mike McCarthy left. Like, the shackles of his offense. So the, the fact that he hired Mike McCarthy was a terrible hire. So that, that's number one. He paid Dak $40 million. Did Dak look like a $40 million quarterback? No. Now, mind you, the offensive line didn't do him any favors. He was under pressure. But you're signing a guy for that much money, you're expecting a franchise quarterback that can overcome chaos. And Dak's not that guy. So, like, he completely overpaid him. Because he looked terrible in that game. And that's kind of like what he's been. But, like, he, he did not play well. That contributed to the lock. Then, you look, you got C.D. Lamb. They, he drafted. And C.D. Lamb's been a good player for him. But they have enough weapons on the outside. They got Amari Cooper. Cedric Wilson's been good. You know, you got Z. You have plenty of weapons there. And they drafted C.D. Lamb when they needed help on defense and they needed help at tackle. And you know what ended up costing them in this game? The 49ers ran it down their throat the whole game. They bullied them on the line of scrimmage. And then they also got Dak was under pressure the whole game. So then you got that. So bad drafting too. Bad hire. Bad drafting. Overpaying the quarterback. And then he got all these Cowboys fans' hopes up. Oh, yeah, it's Super Bowl or bust over here. Woo, Jerry World. Like, you got all their hopes up. You were setting them up for failure. So, like, you want one man to blame. Like, you can blame Mike McCarthy all you want. And he was terrible. But we all knew he was a crappy coach. The guy to blame here in Dallas is Jerry Jones. He's not a football guy. Like, simply put. Jerry Jones is the one to blame. He shoulders most of the blame. And I think as long as he's the owner, I don't think they're winning a Super Bowl anytime soon. He's just simply not a football guy. He's an oil guy with a lot of money that stumbled upon a couple Super Bowls in the 90s because of Jimmy Johnson, who then he fired because his massive, massive ego couldn't handle it. So, I mean, that, that was my big takeaway uh, from that debacle. Uh, you know, the other thing that really stood out to me was the, uh, the Rams-Cardinals one. Uh, and Odell had a phenomenal game. But I think that says more about the Rams culture than it does, just like, in general. Like... Matthew Stafford finally got his first playoff win. And I think the reason that he hadn't had it before, and everyone's like, oh, he's not clutching. Like, no, he was playing in Detroit where it's like complete chaos. Like, that was a Jared Goff-type performance over there. Like, he he only had to throw the ball 17 times. He's efficient. He looked comfortable. Like, as soon as he comes to L.A., he's been successful. The culture. Same with Odell. Like, you looked at him in Cleveland, and he wasn't good. And I still stand by the fact that the Browns, Baker was better off, like, without Odell because... You know, I think he had the case of the drops in Cleveland. I just don't think he could over... It was like a bad culture over there. It's bad culture. Comes to L.A., instant fit. Like, he looks comfortable. He looks like a top-ten receiver once again, uh, which was really impressive to me. The the Cardinals, I, you know, you never really bought them to begin with, and I think it's going to be an interesting game with the Buccaneers and Rams and a preview for free money. Like, I'm not taking either of these teams. I think that game's very tough because you got the Buccaneers who've played the most games out of anyone these past couple seasons, so they're worn down, but you don't really bet against Tom Brady in the playoffs. Uh, and then the Rams, you know, they're su- super talented, but going on the road, that one I'm, I'm staying away from. That'll be an interesting game. I'm really excited to watch uh, that game this weekend. But uh, I, it was a Sean McVay's done over there. That culture in L.A., it, that's a winning culture. And also, shout out uh, Cam Akers coming off of torn ACL. Uh, and he put up 90 yards. Like, he looked explosive. Like, that was very impressive. Not enough people were talking about that as well. But this Rams team's cooking right now. That, that's a very dangerous team. And I think, you know, the winner of that uh, Rams-Tampa uh, Bay game, they, they, they're probably going to the Super Bowl. Like, those are the two most talented teams 
I, I think left. And you got the Packers still, obviously, but th those two, uh, that'll be interesting. Those two, I think it's three-team race in, in the NFC there. We'll talk a little bit more football when we get to the free money. I want to talk now a little bit. Um, <laughs> the, the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, they're a beautiful mess. I, I went to the last two games against the Jazz in the Indiana Pacers. And it's really like, this team's fascinating to me. It's kind of like uh, a couple weeks ago, I was driving on the highway with my girlfriend and we saw a flaming car like on the side of the road. And it's like, this is what the Lakers season is. It was like ugly, but you couldn't look away. Like to me, it's fascinating the dynamic there. They got four future Hall of Famers on this team who are all old and aging and they have massive egos. Uh, and they've all they've really underperformed except for LeBron. Uh, they don't really fit together. They, they should be better what they are, but like we all kind of knew it wouldn't fit. It is just like the, I, I can't remember the last time a, a team under 500, they might not even make the playoffs. They're going to be a play-in team uh, if they do make the playoffs. Is this interesting to watch? But the, the news from this week was Frank Vogel, he's coaching on a game-by-game -game basis. He's probably going to get fired soon. And listen, they're using him as a scapegoat. Like, the, the biggest culprit is the front office. And I've given LeBron criticism because he wanted to bring his buddy uh, Russ in because Russ wanted to come back to LA and he was really pushing for that. But honestly, like LeBron just signed an extension for three years. So like you could tell he's not going anywhere. It's not like where the, he's handcuffing the front office like he was in Cleveland. And does he want him? Yes. And like, do you want to make him happy? Yes. So he does shoulder some of the blame because he helped construct the roster. But the front office easily could have said no. So, like, the front office put together a terrible roster. Uh, I don't think Frank Vogel wanted him either. So, you know, he's clearly being used as a scapegoat. But, that being said, Frank Vogel is not void of any blame either. Like, everyone's talking about him like he's untouchable because he wanted a championship a couple years ago. He's not been good. Like, and I'm watching some of his coaching decisions have been baffling. Like, it took him way too long to figure out the fact that uh, Rondo uh, couldn't play with Westbrook. Like that, and he was playing him on the floor at the same time. That made no sense. Uh, he started DeAndre Jordan way too much, which Steve Nash could figure out. And he, Steve Nash, that's no Phil Jackson there. Took him way too long to figure out that, yeah, DeAndre Jordan's washed. Like, that guy's a stiff. But he was starting him for the first, like, 20, 15 games of the season. Uh, the rotations have been a little bit questionable. And, like, he's a defensive head coach. Like, that's where his bread and butter was made in Indiana with defensive head coach. This team can't play defense. And now part of that is also to the front offices where they let go of uh, Caldwell Pope and Caruso. And Caruso, you really see the impact he's been making. Like, you watch that Bulls game yesterday, that's what a winning player looks like. He did all these little things, chased down blocks, making corner threes. He does the little things right. Like, And he wanted to come back to L.A. for a And he even offered to take a discounted price. And the front office is like, nah, we're good. We're going to bring in Russ. So, like, I mean, you just made your own bed there. But... The fact that Frank Vogel is a defensive head coach, is defensive, like, mind you, they don't have the personnel, but they don't even play hard on defense. Like, I saw one play with Carmelo Anthony, we'll get to in a second. Like, the, the, he turns over the ball, goes jogging up the court, then realizes it's going to be an easy layup, and then he fouls him, and it's like, and what? Like, it's just terrible. He blew like six of Like, Carmelo Anthony played defense against the Pacers, like, he wanted Frank Vogel to get fired. Like, he blew like six defensive assignments in a row. It was ugly. But that's also why. He put Carmelo Anthony in the game in the fourth quarter, which, like, as soon as it happened, sitting up, like, for where we were. As a pedestrian fan, I was like, that's not going to work. Like, the night, be the, the last game they won is because they had Stanley Johnson. And they took Stanley Johnson out, who an energy player that can play defense, for Melo, who, who did his job in the third quarter. Like, he got third quarter scoring, that's what you want out of Melo. And then he puts him in for the fourth quarter, which is baffling. Who can't play defense when they need some defensive stops? So, like, 
hmm, that was questionable. They were getting dominated in the paint against the Pacers, and their best rebounder, Dwight Howard, is on the bench. So, like, that was questionable. Uh, he doesn't use his shooters. Like, the game they won against the Jazz. Upset win against the Jazz. What do they win with? And this is what LeBron's been best with throughout his career. It was shooting. They had Austin Reeves in the game. They had Stanley Johnson, who was an energy player. He was on a 10-day contract, by the way. He brings energy. Um, and then you got Avery Bradley. Surrounded by shooters. Russ was on the bench. How, like, so, like, which was a smart move. And the next night, Reeves is nowhere to be found. And Reeves right now, he's shooting 38.6% from three, which is the third best among all rookies. For some reason, he's sitting on the bench. So, like, Frank Vogel has not been, like, a good head coach this year by any means. Like, do I think they're using him as a scapegoat? Yes. Is he the main reason they're losing all these games? No. But don't get it twisted. He hasn't been good. Like, he, he's been bad enough where, like, he could justify firing, but I wouldn't fire him at this point because, like, who are you going to get? You're going to put David Fisdale in there? Oh, yeah, we're not getting rooked anytime soon with all of our veterans. Like, give me a break. Uh, but, like, that's, it's a disaster. For that. And then finally, Russell Westbrook. And, I, you know what, this is going to be the last week we talk Russ. Because, you know, I've been piling on him a lot. But he's had an eventful week as well. He, had the, the, he yammed on Rudy Gobert, which is, like, one of the best dunks of the year probably. But he gets benched against the Pacers. Which, by the way, that was actually one of the few good moves, I think, Frank Vogel. He's coaching for his job at this point. He's like, I realize the fact that Russ isn't even trying on defense, doesn't want to set screens, he can't shoot, turns the ball over. Like, I don't want him in in the fourth quarter. Which I understand. Fine. Uh, but, like... Westbrook justifiably says, like, oh, you know, he, he was upset after the game. Didn't speak to the media and everything. And that's the problem with these fading stars. And that's the problem when you put all these fading stars on a roster. They have egos. And, like, Russ is like, I'm a former MVP. Why am I out, like, in the fourth quarter? And that's and it's rubbing off in the locker room. And I heard a report. And now say what you want about Kamala Anthony. He's accepted the fact that he's a bench guy, like, at this point in the career. He embraced it in Portland. I think he's doing a good job. And he, apparently he's been very supportive. He's been very good in the locker room. Russell Westbrook, from what we've heard, and this is listening to the LA radio and some of the local guys that are tuned in here, he has not been good in the locker room, uh, which is interesting. The other thing that I think was a smart move for benching him, you, you look at Westbrook's career, and this is really an indictment on him. He's been on four teams in four years for a reason. And everyone plays well with LeBron. Stanley Johnson, who we've been talking about, he comes off as, he's been cut three times this year. He's on his third 10-day contract this season. The Bulls cut him, the Lakers cut him. He's been cut twice. Uh, and now he's on his third 10-day contract. First game back, he scored 10 points in the fourth quarter. After the game they're interviewing, he's like, yeah, I was playing with LeBron. It made the game easier. So there was less pressure. Everyone plays better with LeBron. He elevates everyone. Not Westbrook. He's playing worse. Also, you look at Westbrook. He hasn't won a championship. And, like, I'm not a big, like, ring guy, but, like, like Allen Iverson, I don't hold the fact that he hadn't won a ring. But look at if you look at Westbrook and who he has played with. Going down the list of players he's played with. Kevin Durant, James Harden, Bradley Beal, Victor Oladipo, Carmelo Anthony, LeBron James, Anthony Davis. And he has not won a ring. And they're, he's not going to win a ring this year. That's why I added LeBron and AD to this list. Because, like, let's face it, they're not winning a championship this year. That's an indictment on Westbrook. Whether he likes it or not. Uh, so I, I think, you know, he can pout all he wants about being benched. But quite frankly, I think if it wasn't for a big contract, they would ship him out of town. But, like, that team is just, it's a fascinating team to watch for me. I, I think the dynamic of watching all these future Hall of Famers. Like, they got four future Hall of Famers on the floor playing together. And it is just, like, a beautiful mess. So you get a chance staying up uh, watching the Lakers. It's really interesting. And they play the Magic next. I, I wouldn't, like, that's not a shoe-in, like, they're going to win. And I think LeBron knows this, too. And that's why he's scoring so many points. But... But uh, shout out him. He just collected his 10,000th rebound. Uh, so he's the only player in NBA history. 30 plus points, 30,000 plus points, 10,000 uh, 
plus rebounds, assuming he adds on that, and then 9,000 uh, plus assists, which is very impressive there. All right, back to football, baby. Uh, let's get into a little free money. We're going to do it a little bit earlier this week, because uh, why not? Uh, so here's who we taken. We're on a roll the past couple weeks. I'm actually pretty confident in some of these picks. Like these games are tougher than the last couple weeks, but two of the three I'm very confident in. The one we'll see, but I think it's a very live dog. So let's see what we got. Uh, we're going 49ers to cover over the Packers plus six. Um, now the Packers are good at home and it's in Lambeau, but I think out of all the teams in the NFC, this is the worst possible matchup for them. They've been very bad at stopping the run, and I think the 49ers are a team where you don't have the big explosive passing game. They can, despite the cold January weather in Green Bay, they can handle that because they're a defensive team that runs the football, and they got a good game manager quarterback in Jimmy Garoppolo. Now, what Jimmy Garoppolo's going to have to do if they want any chance of winning this game, he cannot make these head-scratching throws like... He seems to have won a game, and it always costs him. He threw like the worst possible interception at the worst possible time against the Cowboys. Cannot do that against Green Bay. And Green Bay has a pretty solid defense. But uh, I think the 49ers can exploit the Packers' inability to stop the run. And during the regular season, the, the Green Bay Packers gave up 4.7 yards per rush. Just two teams, the Chiefs and the Steelers, gave up more. And that bodes well with San Francisco because they pound the rock. You saw it against Dallas. They came in there the first drive. We're, we're bullying you guys at the line of scrimmage. That's what they did. That's what they're going to have to do again. San Francisco's they're averaging 4.55 uh, yards per rush since December 16th, which ranks 12th in the league over that time. Uh, so as long as Jimmy G doesn't make a head-scratching decision, I think the 49ers cover. Do they win? No. I would not have them win. I would not take the money line. Like last week, I would have hammered the money line with them. This week, I would. But plus six and a lot uh, for a team that runs the ball and their strengths uh, match up with the Packers' weaknesses. That's why I really like the 49ers this week. Uh, take the Titans over the uh, Bengals. Minus three and a half. And I like Joe Burrow. I like the Bengals, but... Uh, January vertical passing games don't really work out all that well. Uh, and here's why I like it. So one, the, the, the Titans are coming off a bye. And Zach Taylor's been good this year, but I think the coaching advantage goes to the Titans. Rabel, he's been around Belichick. Like, he, he's a good head coach. He's had time to prepare the extra week. They're getting healthier. Derrick Henry might be back. So that all matches up well. The Bengals, they've allowed a lot of sacks. Like, Joe Burrow's going to be familiar with the grass by the time this game's over. They've allowed 55 sacks, which is 30th in the NFL. Titans happen to have some very good pass rushers. Harold Landry this year, 12 sacks, 14 tackles for a loss, 22 quarterback hits. Meanwhile, D'Amico Autry, 9 sacks, 18 QB hits, 10 tackles for a loss. So that combo is going to be coming after uh, Joe Burrow all game. The Bengals don't have a particularly good offensive line. The Titans' defense, they're fifth in points per game uh, this year. And this is where I really like them, too, matchup-wise. Because the Bengals, were they, they excel. They are very good in the red zone. But the Titans' defense, they are third in the or sixth in the league on third down defense. And they are seventh in the league in red zone defense. So they can hold the Bengals in the red zone to field goals instead of touchdowns. That bodes well. Like I said, Derrick Henry might be returning. Say less. Like, that's... You know what that means. But they've been running the ball well, even without him. Um, and Tannehill, too, another X factor. People don't realize this, but he's a very good dual-threat quarterback. He can run it. He's had seven rushing touchdowns this year, and he has 4.9 yards per carry. For a quarterback, that is excellent. Um, and the Bengals last week, 
with this running game. They don't stop the run very well. They allowed 6.5 yards per carry to Josh Jacobs, and they've been allowing 4.3 a run to running backs this season. So they gave up a lot of rushing yards. The Titans can run the ball well, which they do. That's their bread and butter. They can burn clock, keep it away from Joe Burrow and that offense. That bodes well. Uh, and the Giants also, Joe, like the, the Bengals, they're not going to be able to run the ball. They haven't been able to run the ball all season, so that makes them very one-dimensional. Uh, Joe Mixon, He's been held under four point uh, four yards a carry in six straight games. The Titans' defense, rushing-wise, uh, they're allowing 3.4 yards per carry, which ranks fourth best in the NFL. And Tannehill, too, passing-wise, he's on kind of on a heater recently. Three straight games with a QBR over 100. So for all those reasons, I really like the Titans. Now, do the Titans win? Like They're going to go to the AFC Championship, and they're probably going to get smoked by whoever they play. But, uh, you know, it'll be like Michigan State. They'll hang a banner for being the Final Four. I really like them over the Bengals this week, especially at home. Um, I think just all the things going right for them. They're getting healthy at the right time. They can exploit a lot of weaknesses and, you know... Uh, Bengals will, you know, we'll restock in the offseason, but I really like the Titans. Minus three and a half. I would hold off and see if he can get it down to three. If you get three, I like this one even better. Uh, because I do think it'll be a semi-close game, but I'll take the Titans by a touchdown. If he's doing three and a half, I'll take him, but I would wait a little bit, see if he can get it down to three. They have an alternative line at three. That's the one I would hammer to. Finally, and this one I hate because I really I'm rooting for the Bills. But I'm taking the Kansas City Chiefs minus one and a half over the Bills. At home. Uh, here's why. I think the last time these two teams played, and Buffalo won pretty handily. It was also in Kansas City. But Mahomes had a nightmare of a game the last time they played. It's not going to happen again in the playoffs. Uh, he, he's That was kind of in his slump uh, stretch. He's gotten out of that. You saw him last week. I mean, he's he's as good as he's ever been. Josh Allen has a tendency. After an all and he had an all-time great performance against New England. That's one of the best performances in the playoffs in the cold weather I, I think I've ever seen against a Bill Belichick defense. So props to him. But he's attended to see this year. He'll have he'll follow up an excellent game with a mediocre game. Like he doesn't tend to have back-to-back -back, like excellent games like that. Arrowhead Stadium, especially in the playoffs, outside maybe Lambeau because you got the weather factor. But like I would argue, Arrowhead is the toughest road environment in the NFL. It is loud, especially in the playoffs. It's loud there. It's going to be pretty cold there. Uh, so I, I think it's a very tough environment they're coming into. And the Chiefs' defense is coming on as of late. I, I think this is going to be the difference, too. Because the last time they played, the Chiefs' defense, it was hot garbage. Uh, and they, they figured it out. They completely turned it around. They are third in points per game this year. They are third in third down defense. And red zone defense, which the Bills are very good in the red zone, too. So once again, it's a matchup well here. They are seventh in the NFL. And pressure percentage, they're sixth. So they can get after the quarterback. They hold people in the red zone, which helps a lot. Uh, also, Tajarius Ward, two interceptions this year, uh, 51 completion percentage. He's a player to watch. I think he'll match up well against Diggs. And then Chris Jones, nine sacks, 17 quarterback hits. So I think that is well uh, will help them out a lot uh, this in this particular um, this particular matchup. And Josh Allen has also has a tendency. You look at him in the playoffs. He he's a, he's had some head scratching moments. Like I'm taking Mahomes, who's kind of a, more of a seasoned uh, playoff performer than Allen. And Allen's had some good good years, but I think it's still the big brother little brother syndrome. Um, and I don't think they're getting over the hump this year. And I, I'm rooting for Buffalo. Like if I miss this one, I mean you know so be it. But like money on the line. I'm going the Chiefs, especially minus one and a half. So there you have it. I'm taking the uh, 49ers to cover over the Packers, plus six. Titans over the Bengals, minus three and a half. And the Kansas City Chiefs over the Buffalo Bills, minus one and a half. So, yeah, there you have it. Um, 
other interesting stuff around uh, the world of sports. The Novak Djokovic situation, kind of strange. Got deported. That's why you get vaccinated, folks. Had he just gotten vaccinated? Would they have had this problem? No. He could have been defending. You know how much money that cost him? A lot of money. Could have been defending his Australian Open title. Instead, now look. It is a public shit show, basically. <laughs> like, what a mess uh, that is. You know, going back to the Lakers, I heard a funny story this week. Um, with It was Jalen Rose. He was on a podcast. It was a YouTube video that came out. So I'm like, yeah, you know what, I'll listen to it. And this, this kind of stuck with me, too, especially when you look at the Lakers and how poorly that front office put it together. But, like, everyone could see it didn't work. But Jay, So Jalen Rose was in the room when Kobe Bryant, it was during the offseason, Kobe Bryant was on the phone. And at the time, Dwight Howard, this is his first in L.A., he was thinking of coming to the Lakers. And so he's on the phone, he called Kobe Bryant, and uh, Jalen Rose was, uh, he's eavesdropping on the call. And Dwight Howard's asking him, like, hey, yeah, like, Where's the best spots to go in LA? Like, where's the good clubs at? Like, he's asking him about producers out in LA and stuff for like media wise and business wise. And you can see Kobe's like face the entire time, like getting angrier and angrier. And as soon as he hung up the phone, he goes, Yeah, this shit won't work. Like, he knew, like, even before it happened. And sure enough, when Dwight Howard got there, it didn't work. Like, he knew even beforehand. So, like, you know, say what you want about Kobe Bryant. I mean, the man was more dedicated to the game of basketball. Like that, that, the, the pure dedication he had for the game of basketball it really shows. And I think you know, that's the what separates him between everyone else that's ever played in, in the NBA. But like he even knew with the Dwight Howard thing, like, he's like, yeah, this isn't gonna work. And I think that's it was very applicable with a lot of the uh, the Lakers moves this off season. Like Russell Westbrook, like we all knew that wasn't gonna work. Like and Ray, raise your hand, except if you're Marshall McAluso, <laughs> the old co-host here, is a Westbrook homer. Like no one thought that was gonna work. There's a reason LeBron had to send out a tweet going like, "Hey, you know what? Well, remember all this criticism midway through the season. Well, it's midway through the season. You're remembering it." Um, other NBA wise, who we got in the MVP uh, right now? I, it was interesting. Jokic had the the I think it was the first or second. This is like only him and like Kareem and one other guy. To have a uh, four, what was it like, forty point triple double? Forty, I think he had forty five points at triple double. An incredible game. And Mike Malone said he's like, yeah, he's the most disrespected MVP of all time because no one really talks about him. Um, and you watch him play; it's really not like a, like he's not very graceful out there. He had a, one of the most unathletic poster dunks I've ever seen. It was just like slow motion going up to the rim, but like it's kind of true. I, I'm going with Joel Embiid though right now as my MVP. I think the way they're playing and you know we talk about this like all the time like the team that has the most chaos in the offseason usually isn't uh they're not set up for success and who had the most chaos this offseason was probably the Philadelphia 76ers with the whole Ben Simmons fiasco uh and you know they, they got rid of that head coach and um Doc Rivers, and uh, so like there was that whole debacle of an offseason, and they've overcome it, and they're playing really well. They're playing really good basketball. He's averaging, he he had forty five points the other night, I, I think, and he, he's been he's been phenomenal, especially in the month of uh, January right now. Jo- Joel and B would be my MVP at, at this point uh, of the season. Uh, also, you know, Demar Derozan deserves a little bit more MVP. Uh, he, he should be in the conversation more. Do I think he should win it at this point? No, but like you look at the team, they're winning despite a lot of injuries. By the way, Lonzo Ball is out four to six weeks with the knee injury. You're glad you didn't trade Kobe White now, Chicago, because now you need a point guard. Uh, so, um, but like DeMar DeRozan deserves a ton of credit too. 
I mean, he had a phenomenal game against the Cavs the other day. Like, this man deserves to be in the MVP conversation. He's definitely an all-star starter. Like, if he's not a starter in the all-star game, there there was some um, China-level Russia fraud going on. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, would like to, uh, I would like to see uh, DeMar in the uh, the All-Star game uh, this year. And he's been playing at MVP caliber. Uh, MVP caliber level. He should be in the conversation as well. Uh, there you have it. That's all we have for you. Uh, it should be an exciting week of the divisional round. If I had to go straight up picks through the week, I, I take, like I said, I'm taking the Titans over the Bengals. Uh, I think they're going to be playing the Chiefs, and I think they get rolled in the next round. Uh, if I had to pick Buccaneers-Rams, that one is a coin flip game. Uh, I'm going Tom Brady at home, just the playoff experience there. Uh, but that could go either way. Like that is going to be a phenomenal game, and don't like I mean, the, the team's beaten. They're they're worn down. Like that's one where you have a good defense like the Rams that's humming, and they got so many stars. Like like Jalen Ramsey was kind of <laughs> he's kind of lost. Like you look at him on that team, like you almost forget he's out there. But like he's just like one of the, like there's so many people. Von Miller's finally playing at a high level. Leonard Floyd, another example. We were talking about their culture earlier in the in the show. He was with the Bears. And, like, you know, he's a good player, but, like, he never was successful. And he's playing on the opposite side of Khalil Mack. And he was just always, like, eh, mediocre. He goes to the Rams, all of a sudden he looks like a stud. Like, they, they have a phenomenal culture over there. Everyone succeeds there. That's why when Odell got traded, I was like, yeah, it's going to work out. Look at the culture they got. You got a good quarterback, and everyone that comes over there, they get turned around. Like, even Jared Goff. He took Jared Goff to a Super Bowl. And you saw Jared Goff with the Lions this year. And, you know, he's, not, he's nothing special. And he looked great with the Rams. So props to Sean McVay um, with what they've done. And everyone's in a rush to hire all these young head coaches. I, I don't think, I, but like that's one that did work out. And I think he kind of changed, you know, how Steph Curry changed uh, the NBA with three-point shot. I, I think Sean McVay kind of changed the way a lot of these teams hire coaches because now everyone's looking for the young offensive gurus. And I think a lot of times these guys get hired like almost too early in their career. But uh, yeah, Sean, like what he's done with the Rams has truly been phenomenal. That, that, is a, that, that is a good culture they have built over there, and I think you're seeing the results. But that's a coin flip game. I, you don't bet against Tom Brady at home, so that's why, that's why like I said, for free money picks, I stayed away uh, from that one. But that's the one I'm most excited to watch, and that, that one could truly go either way. But if I had gun to my head, I'm taking the bucks in that one. But, like, yeah, I'd stay from that. So Final Four I think you're going to be seeing next week. I think it's going to be Packers, uh, who will not cover. But Packers playing the Buccaneers, and then a rematch from last year, and then I think you're going to have the Titans and the Chiefs. All right, there you have it. Enjoy your football Sunday and Saturday uh, as well. We will be back same time next week. Thank you so much for listening. Have a wonderful rest of your day.